Hello and welcome to Teesaw Pop. My name is Eve. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about questioning strategies in the classroom. What type of questions do teachers most often use in the classroom? Which questions can encourage our learners to think critically? And finally, what can teachers do to create an immediate change in their questioning strategy? So why did you pick this as a topic? Well, I think um, because we often train pre-service teachers, um, it's something that always comes up from the very beginning is being mindful of the, the questions that you ask learners. So what type of questions do teachers most often use then in the classroom? Well, all kinds of questions, really. Could you guess how many questions a teacher asks in an average lesson? What, in like a 60-minute lesson? Yeah. That's including all types of questions, whether it's instruction-based or, like, language checking? Yeah, just have a guess. Maybe about 50? Go a bit higher? Uh, 80? Even higher? You're kidding me, like, I guess over 100 then. Well, it does vary from class to class. There's no definitive answer, but there's this one study by Lee... Um, that, that states that it can go up to 200 in one hour. I'm really surprised by that. I wouldn't think it was that many, but yeah. this is including all types of questions, though, right? You, it's the management questions, it's the language questions, it's um, getting learners to check their answers and elicit their own self-correction, that sort of thing. Absolutely, but it's still a lot. Mm, it is. It's even more depressing when you realise the percentage of questions that teachers answer themselves. I remember reading that statistic a lot of years ago, and it was pretty horrific. Well, what I notice that happens is teachers just repeat the same question. So when Mm -hmm. students don't respond, instead of finding another way to rephrase it or to support learners or grade the question down further, they just repeat the same one and learners are still stuck. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but especially working with pre-service teachers, I notice that it's one of the things that they just tend to struggle with the most Mm -hmm. is how to make questions that are appropriate for their learners. Mm -hmm. So I guess the the types of questions that uh, we tend to focus on with pre-service teachers are the CCQs and the ICQs. Mm -hmm. And so CCQs have a checking function. So CCQ stands for concept checking question. Um, And the objective there is to check that the students understand a piece of grammar or a piece of vocabulary. Yeah, so for example, if um, you're working with elementary learners, the vocabulary is doctor, you may ask Mm -hmm. them, um, does this person work in a hospital? Uh, Does this person treat people or help people get better? That sort of thing. Absolutely. And then the other type of question is the ICQ, the instruction checking question. So that's when we give instructions and we want to check if the learner's understood. So we might say, are you going to work together or are you going to work with a partner? Mm -hmm. Are you going to uh, stay seated or are you going to move around the room, etc., etc.? Um, I think characteristics of both of these types of questions is that uh, they tend to be binary. So uh, you're asking the learners to either give you one answer or another, a yes or a no, alone or in pairs, standing or seated. Yeah. So while they're really important, I think uh, they also have a few disadvantages. So in terms of disadvantages, um, the main one is that they're not really questions. They're not really authentic. Uh, when the teacher's asking the question, the typical example is if we're looking at a, a picture, maybe a weather scene, and the teacher says, um, you know, is it raining, yes or no, while pointing at the picture. Uh, well, the teacher's not really asking an authentic question because mm-hmm. they know already that it's raining in the picture. Uh, the teacher's just asking the, que- the question as for a checking function. 
Um, so while it might be useful in those early stages of the lesson, they're not really great for encouraging uh, the learners to think or to reflect or to actually present any type of uh, personal idea. So those type of questions we call display questions, where the, the teacher actually knows the answers to the question and is just asking to check. What I notice um, with ICQs, the instruction checking questions, is that they're not always needed. Mm-hmm. And you don't always have to check instructions with questions. You can just get a student to summarise, okay, can you just yeah. tell everybody what we're doing? Um, that could be a way to ICQ. So it doesn't always have to be in a question form. And it, you don't need to ICQ everything, particularly if it's a routine that you have with your learners that they're already started before you've even checked them and they're already on task. You know, Do you really need to ask ICQs mm-hmm. just to check that box? Of course, yeah. Um, I think they're not always needed. And I think with CCQs as well, uh, sometimes they're not needed. So I think a teacher sometimes over CCQ. They have too many CCQs prepared. And there's no real room for disagreement with those CCQs. So the typical one is when you ask about the seasons and you ask, you know, is it sunny in July? Well, in some places it's sunny in July. In other places, it's not sunny in July. Uh, It it very much depends upon the context in which you're teaching. Yeah, exactly. So the other type of questions are referential questions. They're real, authentic questions. So that might involve students giving opinions or giving personal information. So it could be something like, what's your favourite book? Um, And the teacher asks why, and the student answers. So they tend to generally just encourage deeper reflection, and there are many more possibilities for answering now, when we think about the actual percentage of display questions to referential questions, could you guess? Well, in terms of how many there are of uh-huh. each, I would definitely say with lessons I observe, mm-hmm. I think my own habit as well would be to probably ask more display questions than mm-hmm. referential. So I have to be very mindful of that. I imagine with new teachers, they're probably the percentage of display questions is going to be a lot, lot higher. Yeah. So basically, it does vary from study to study, um, but definitely there's that uh, tendency towards more display questions. Um, I was reading a study by Beb Brianto yesterday that said 69% uh, display questions to 31% referential. Mm. And that tends to be quite similar to what other studies have found too. Mm-hmm. So it's an awful lot. So what questions should we really be asking in classes to get learners thinking much more critically and moving just beyond you know, display mm-hmm. questions? Um, that's a really good question. And I think the idea of thinking critically has become more and more important in TESOL these days because we want students to actually be university ready. Yeah, They're required to think critically if they want to do things like exams and get through university. So when we think about crit- critical thinking, we always think about Bloom's taxonomy. So Bloom's taxonomy basically um, is a pyramid with lots of different thinking skills. At the bottom, you've got the lower order skills, so things like remembering and Mm -hmm. understanding. Um, And at the top, you've got things like evaluating and creating, which are are more demanding cognitive uh, functions. So what you can do in terms of questions is you can think um, in which level of the pyramid would they fall in. So at the bottom of the pyramid, just things like what's this and where is this and how many um, the lower level questions because mm-hmm. they're just demonstrating they're just re- they could be purely uh, remembering but the top level um, you've got things which involve synthesizing and creating new information so could you uh, propose an idea uh, to help create a new school uniform policy for example mm-hmm. uh, that requires learners just to think a little bit more about the answer 
And of course, if you're moving higher up this pyramid, you need to give them a bit more time to think about it as well. Of course. So I think uh, in a moment, we're going to talk about what teachers can do to create um, a change in, in questioning strategy. And the wait time, increasing wait time is one of the key areas. Mm. So this really leads us to our final and third question, which is what can teachers do to create an immediate change in their questioning strategy? Of course, yeah, that's really important. Uh, so wait time is huge. Um, I think, could you guess how long teachers wait? Or in your experience of observing teachers, how long do you think they wait to answer a question? Oh, barely a few seconds. And that's mm-hmm. why they're answering their own questions. So I think they just panic. Of course, yeah. And they're, they're stunned by the silence. But silence is a good thing. It often indicates thinking time. And the students just need a bit more time. Like wait at least five seconds to see if you're going to get a response. But I don't think they do that at all. What, what's the statistic that you found out? Well, again, different studies say different things. But most of them one to two seconds. Yeah, not enough, basically. No, not a lot at all. Um, I think, like you said, it's just that panicking um, mm-hmm. when they don't get a response straight away and they feel the need to fill that silence. To be honest, when you're standing in front of a class and maybe it's the first time you've met that class mm-hmm. or you're new to teaching, it tends to go by a lot slower for you. So I think it's just the panic that sets in, like you say, and yeah. it feels like an eternity for you because you're stood up there and you've got these faces looking at you. And mm-hmm. the the um, go-to action is, is like, oh gosh, they need help. I'm just going to answer it for them and help them out but actually that's not that's not helping learning another mm. strategy is needed or just waiting is 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 enough absolutely that um, i think studies show that if you just wait an extra second that can yeah. have a really profound effect on the learning and the progress of your students yeah. um, i've even heard some teachers say you know wait for seven so count seven in your head yeah um which can feel really painful for some people <laughs> Uh, but I think, yeah, absolutely, you'll see better results. Another thing could be like think per share. So think per share where the, um, the learners have a moment to think. Yeah. Then they speak to a partner and then they share their answers to the question with the rest of the class. Yeah. I usually do that, you know, even when students mm. don't know the answer, I say, OK, th- that's good. All right. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just check with your partner and just discuss what you think the answer is mm-hmm. or just check first to see if we can find the answer together as a class as opposed to me do as opposed to me being like this fountain of knowledge where I'm constantly delivering the answer Mm. to them as opposed to them having more autonomy of their learning and finding out actually together collectively we can work things out for ourselves. Absolutely. Um, I think lesson staging as well plays a part. So we were talking about Bloom's taxonomy before. I worked on with some teachers who decided to make that the basis for their lesson planning. So Mm. instead of just thinking about the scaffolding from stage to stage what they did was they actually thought about the hierarchy and they had the, the things like the remembering and the understanding at the beginning, the evaluating and creating at the end. What I wonder is, could teachers perhaps, like they script their ICQs, like they script their CCQs, script in other types of referential questions along the way to actually be mindful of, you know, encouraging students yeah. to think a bit more critically? Definitely. I did that. Um, not with these types of questions, but I did it with Socratic questioning. When I was mm-hmm. working on that in my teaching, I wanted to ask more Socratic questions to get learners to unpack ideas and compare it to their mm-hmm. um, culture and the different cultures that actually were in the classroom. So as part of my um, development, I went through the list of different Socratic questions. I scripted a few examples out. And then I created a little observation tool um, that I first used on, my, on myself. Like I mm-hmm. reflected after a lesson and thought, or oh, what questions did I ask? And then because it can be a bit difficult to recall all the questions you did ask in a, in an, um, a lesson, I got a, a friend to come in and observe me, a colleague, and they also scripted what questions I was asking. So I got a better measure of like 
the, the scope of Socratic questions I was asking and also the effect. The, my colleague noted down the student's mm-hmm. response and how effective the question was. Was it really worded that clearly? Um, was it a problem with the type of question or the wording of the question? Was it too soon to ask that question? Mm-hmm. Should I have gone a bit lower down the, the ranking before I went so high up in getting students to really think on a much more critical level? So I found that really helpful, actually. That's great. I imagine you could also record your class if you wanted to to know about the types of questions yes. that you're asking and then listen back to it afterwards. Yes, if you can stand the sound of your own voice. <laughs> and what was your main takeaway in terms of the, the question types that you were asking? Which ones uh, tended to be more successful? So while I think binary questions are effective for just the, the first step, to really get into... Um, to really get into the meaning, if we're talking about like concept checking for vocabulary mm. or grammar, to really move into the deeper meaning of that target language, you need to ask much deeper questions and try and probably elicit also examples from learners. Like uh, personalised examples. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Great, so to summarise, I think the main takeaways for me um, are that I'm just going to try and be more mindful of the amount of wait time that I give my learners in class. Um, and to actually try and script some of those questions, not just the CCQs and the ICQs, but actually the questions that encourage them to reflect a bit deeper. Absolutely. I think that really is useful, actually thinking out the questions first. Lesson planning is so important, mm-hmm. isn't it, in helping you set up for success if you're wanting to make a change in your teaching or develop an area. Um, I think just taking that time, like five minutes before you, you teach that lesson to, to plan out some different questions and just try them out is a great way of making this change. Yeah, you can practice with colleagues and co-workers too. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to review this area and revisit it so you can come in and observe my class and see what type of questions I'm asking. I'm really hoping I'm asking more referential questions That's just display. So if you've got a question that you want us to answer, you can contact us at www.tesolpop.com. Alternatively, you can contact us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And that's all from us this week. See you next week.